Yo, 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 yo! Welcome to episode number 94 of the Basketball Card Podcast. I'm your host, Adam. You can reach me at the real 27 guy on Instagram. Frankly, that's probably how you got to this episode in the first place, though. So uh, if you haven't followed me on Instagram, please do it. Today's episode is brought to you, uh, amongst others, by PWCC. PWCC has close to 10,000 items ending this Sunday. And as I record this episode, which is Thursday afternoon, um, we have uh, nearly 100 items that we're going to get to cover. Jeremy Lee and I on the Sports Card Live channel on the PWCC premiere auction. Really some amazing stuff. Tonight I uh, am interested in bidding on a big time card, the 2002 Gold uh, Refractor of LeBron James. The weekly also has amazing stuff in it. Every week, if you're not looking at those auctions, you're missing out. Trust me, amazing deals, but also cards that you're not going to see anywhere else at auction. Um, go give it, go give it a try. It's one of the best, one of the best places you can get auctions for sure, if not the very best. Guys, I'm excited to have a quick episode with you guys today. I've got a lot, a lot of stuff going on today, so I'm going to keep it quick. But want to make sure that I get one out this week. I want to tell you a story that I think is interesting because. Um, because I think it's interesting. So uh, today, um, like I said, is Thursday, December 21st, 2023. Um, last night, I discovered an auction that I was very excited about. Um, last night, I discovered that the Kobe Bryant 2003 exquisite base, the platinum one of one, was listed for auction at Golden Auctions. And I was excited. I was so excited because, um, for those of you who haven't listened before, because Kobe Bryant is the person who I collect most, and I particularly love early upper deck ultra rare type cards. My favorite, or one of my favorite cards in my collection is my uh, 2002 Logomania. Kobe Bryant it is his first ever Logoman autograph card, first ever Logoman card. There are three of them from the set, nine total cards in the set. Absolutely love that set. I also have the very first, um, one of the very first Kobe, Lo, uh, Co Kobe autograph patches, which is from 2000 Upper Deck. I've got a couple of really nice exquisite Kobe's. And so when I saw that the 2003 base was up, I, I got really excited. I actually started thinking in my mind where it ranks in terms of base parallels for Kobe, um, for one-of-one one base parallels. And, and as I put together that list in my mind, I mean, I'll tell you, like, the real top, the tip of the top of that list is the Chrome Superfractors, specifically 04, 08, 07, 09. Those are the best ones in order, I would say. And then probably 06 and then 05 is the last one. That's sort of my order. I think I covered them all there. Um, so those ones are right at the top. As is, I would say, the 97 Showcase Row Zero. 97 was the first year they did. Um, they did one of ones. Probably the 97 Ultra that great iconic slam dunk image. Um, also the cover of our 90s our nineties episode, which I think was like uh, issue 15 in Basketball Card Fanatic. Um, all of those are like some of the best one-of-one one Kobe Bryant cards in existence. Um, base, again, pa base parallels. Um, 97 Ultra, 98 Ultra, 
Maybe each ultra is a little bit different because there's believed to be, I think there's believed to be uh, maybe an extra set out there, maybe two of every player. Um, I'm not 100% sure on that, but I believe some people believe that. Um, but amongst all of those, clearly at the very top of the list, um, or amongst those at the top of the list, is the O3 Exquisite. It's the first Exquisite set. Um, it is, as far as you know, base cards go, really like one of the most recognizable sets. The thing that it doesn't have going for it that some of those other ones do is aesthetically the one of one's not really that much more impressive than the regular is. You can't say that about like the super fractors. Um, the and and again, I I mentioned I mentioned the chrome super fractors because those are way more significant than the other ones. Those are viewed as the tip tip of the top. So all the finest in Bowman Chrome made some great superfractors. Those aren't close to the to the chromes in terms of how people view them in the hobby. So suffice it to say, I see this auction and I can't be more excited because um, because it is really like like one of the Kobe cards. You've probably heard about Alt, but have you registered for their auction yet? Twice a month, Alt features its Liquid Auctions event, which caters to collectors of all kinds. The platform is super easy to use, connects to your bank in minutes, and provides a super fun bidding experience. What are you waiting for? Register on Alt XYZ today. So I see it there and I say to myself, what am I willing to pay for this thing? And I start doing like the math of what I would have to get rid of and what I think it's going to sell for. Um, I didn't mention, by the way, the Prism Black uh, parallels from 2013, 14, and 15. I ought to have, because those are certainly certainly in that same conversation. And I, I was thinking about what one of those would sell for today and whether I would prefer the 03 Exquisite. In some ways, it seems insane to put those in the same category because 2003 Exquisite is so much more critical and critically important to the hobby than like than those prism cards. But the prisms are, are viewed in such a way, those blacks are, um, that I don't know that that's the case. Like the exquisite one of one has some has a great deal of heritage to it, but it, but it's not viewed like the prism black today is is just is so beloved. So anyway, I started asking myself all these questions. I even put in an initial bid on the card so that I would just have a bid in on it. I think my bid was like twenty nine grand or something like that. And um, but I but obviously the cards can sell for a lot more than that. And so. Um, I start doing all this, all this thought, and then I messaged a friend, and that friend um, messaged me back, and pointed out that our friend Spinatron owns this card, and then I was like, "Wait a second, how can Spino own the card? Spino wouldn't sell a card like this." So I DM'd Spino immediately because I realized something funny might be going on here. What I realized is that there is actually a second. Um, copy of the card. Both of them look real. Both of them look look legit. Spino has, um, you know, uh, uh, basically a story that suggests that his was the one that came out of the the pack, and that this other one may have been like a, a, from from another, you know, from something else, and like for advertising purposes or whatever, maybe created by Upper Deck. Truly, truly, the you know. It looks the way that it's supposed to, but it's not. It's not necessarily the pack pulled card. And then I saw a story that actually indicated that there are three. There's a third 
Kobe won of one. Now, all of this was news to me, um, and and that is kind of surprising on um, on a product as well known as 2003 Exquisite. I ought to have known this. I had never seen a, a duplicate one of one out of 03 Exquisite, and by the same token, I had never seen an unnumbered card from 2003 Exquisite. I've seen unnumbered cards from other years of Exquisite, and the reason that I bring up unnumbered cards is if you have an unnumbered card, that unnumbered card can become a numbered card. And so if there's an unnumbered one of one, if there's somebody out there who's able to find the right stamp or holofoil or whatever and make it look like the, the original one, then that's that's how that can be created sometime. I'm not suggesting that's what's going on here at all, by the way. I have no idea what's going on here. But what I wanted to focus on today is really when something like this happens, how it influences um, how we think. And so I, I thought I thought about I thought about a few different things. Um, but let me let me say first, not only how how we think, but how it influences the value and the desirability of a card like that. And I want to be sensitive here because not everybody feels the same way and not everything is seen in the same way. Um, just because we have a precedent of another card being handled a certain way or, or um, devalued a certain way by the hobby does not necessarily mean that that same thing will happen here, especially where it's a card at, at auction right now. I'm not going to sit here and tell you, hey, this is a card that I think is going to sell for way less or way, you know, obviously it's not going to sell for way more. I don't know because I don't know who's after it. What I know is how I feel. And as somebody who would have been, somebody who would have been like a bidder on this card, I, I potentially would have been the winner of this card if there was only one of them in the world. Um, I think, I, I hope my perspective's um, helpful. I don't, you know, I never know if it is. Sometimes I listen to myself afterwards and I think, you dope, you didn't say anything that was interesting there, but hopefully I'll say something today that I think is worthwhile. So um, one precedent that I think is really interesting is, I believe it was last year, I believe it was 2022, we saw the showcase um, masterpiece Tom Brady rookie sell um, at the PWCC Premier Auction. And it was just an absolutely huge card. I, I always said that if there was one Tom Brady card that I thought was, was the best one, that would probably be it. Both because Showcase is so nice and because I knew that there was a one of one that existed. Brady doesn't have things like shield autographs or super fractors from his rookie year. And so you, know, you have to look for what could be the best one of one. There's no contenders one of one. There's only one of a hundred. And so I, I talked about this contenders card being being the best one and then it sold for i think it was like four hundred thousand dollars which is obviously an incredible sum of money but as i thought about what some of the other brady cards sold for i was like man this to me doesn't feel like as big a number as i would have guessed like i would have taken that card head and shoulders above a um above a, a championship ticket out of a hundred so why is it selling for so low, or is it, or am I just up in the night? What am I missing here? Well, before we had even gotten to that point, we knew that there were two different Tom Brady cards that had been graded, two different masterpieces, two different of the same. There was supposed to be one one of one, and we knew that there were at least two copies, and we were able to sort of discern because of when one was graded because um, it was graded by Beckett, and it was graded by Beckett a long time ago, we were able to discern probably that that was the one that had come out of 
um, a pack, and that the other one had either come from a bankruptcy or was a replacement copy. Fleer, I know for a fact, used to have replacement copies, sometimes that were already stamped. There's a story um, that happened here in Utah where a guy pulled two Jonathan Bender one-of-ones out of the same pack. Then they contacted Fleer, and Fleer said, can you please send us one of those back? It was it was where they had accidentally, you know, they had accidentally put a replacement copy in in the same pack with with the first one, um, and so that maybe was what happened with the Brady. It's possible they both were inserted into the pack. It's possible that one was a replacement copy. The, the problem is that we don't really know. My sense around the Tom Brady was that it because the community realized that there was more than one, that it took some of the luster off of that card. That was my, that was how I sort of like perceived the situation. I may be wrong, by the way. It may just be that, that, that I was overvaluing the card um, or that, that, you know, maybe the, the community had overvalued other cards similar, you know, that are in the same vein, like the championship tickets. We've seen those come down a lot. Maybe while those have come down, the masterpieces have stayed stayed around the same. I'm really not sure. It's hard to value things like one of ones. And, and I don't talk a lot about value because I don't think it's very interesting and I don't think it's super helpful. But But for the purposes of this show, I think it's an interesting thing to think about. I don't know that it's the same thing with this Kobe at all. I don't have any idea. What I do know is that between, you know, between the fact that we have multiple copies and we have some precedent around this with, with other cards like the Tom Brady, that it's a really interesting card to sort of digest and to, and to sort of think about. And I think before we go to the next break, I just want to say after the break, I want to talk about, about how uncertain we really are about most cards. It's easy to highlight that that, that this that this Kobe Bryant has you know three three copies of the card and that that's problematic and it is it is significantly problematic and and it's easy to look at that as as like a standalone case but what I'd like to do in the next segment is really talk about like what we can really know when we look at a piece of cardboard. Do you grade your cards? Grading can preserve, protect, and beautify your cards. Well, maybe not all grading companies beautify the cards they grade, but CGC sure does. CGC slabs are so much nicer than the other big three that I send all of my PC cards to them for slabbing. Not only do they make the cards look amazing, but they are ultra durable. I used to think that a slab could only be super clear or super strong, but then CGC showed up. Check them out at cgccards.com today. So between the bankruptcy that I've written about several times in Basketball Card Fanatic, and I've talked about here several times, which introduced to us cards and sheets that were never supposed to get into the community, we have a, between that and between, you know, all the different types of alteration that exist, patch swapping and trimming and altering autographs and recoloring cards between all of that and and even like companies having like advertising type cards cards that are that are produced and then not intended to be distributed but then later are between all of these types of things it's hard to always know what you're getting 
it's hard to always feel certain that you're getting something that is what you think it is. And the fact that we can't, the fact that we we are always sort of looking over our shoulder to make sure that we that we're buying something that is safe, that has really, I think, harmed the potential for the sports card hobby to become more of like a financial, like real financial investments. I'm not saying that cards aren't investments. You guys know me well enough, I think, to know that <laughs> my collection is is certainly something that I view as a as as an investment, and um, and I am not talking about the hobby in a way that indicates that, that that you can't make money or or anything like that. But but new people come to market, and there's so many things to listen or to to understand, and to, to so many people to listen to, and it's confusing. It's so confusing, like what what you can know and what you you know, what you're just sort of guessing at. This Kobe is such a good example of this. Um, I don't know how people ought to ought to think about the card. Again, I I don't ever really want to influence that. I want people to not only collect what they like like, but really be driven by their own sort of like object objectives. I love it when I find somebody who has something that's really unique that they collect in, in a way that they think. So the way that I think about the Kobe though, is I went from being like trying to figure out like how I could possibly raise the cash necessary to get the card to then realizing that there were three of them and now I don't so, sort of I don't have as much interest in it as I did before. Now that might that may this is interesting that may provide somebody an opportunity to get, to get the card that normally wouldn't if me and other people who are like me are not going to be interested, but it makes me think about other one of ones, right? Would we do the same thing with other one of ones if they were up? Does the card get hurt more than is justified because people are concerned about it the same way that I am? Do people look at the Tom Brady example and and sort of draw from that? I'm not sure. Um, I also, you know, going back to to what I was talking about a few minutes ago, I, I don't, I don't know, I don't know how to teach people. Um, I don't know how to know this for myself perfectly, but I don't know how to teach people how you can feel 100% confident about anything. So, again, there's alteration. There's cards that have been. Um, released via like back channels, either through bankruptcy channels or um, even just out the back door of um, the manufacturer. Um, we have all of the different types of alteration. We have cards that are just straight up fake um, that, that you need to be aware of. Like there's so many things to think about. And as the community becomes more educated on them, I think some people become more cynical. And I think that makes sense. Even though it makes sense, it's not something that I'm running for the hills for because, because what I do is I sort of have to say to myself, well, how do I adjust? Well, one way that I have adjusted over time is I've tried to collect cards that I can feel the most comfortable about. Um, the cards that are the best cards that I feel like I can be comfortable with that thing. That's part of why I don't collect based on condition. Uh, I think something that a lot of people have done. There's a lot of people today who are collecting based on eye appeal more than technical grade. 
And that's, I think, partly because people become disenfranchised with the grading, the numeric grading process. They don't have as much faith in it as they used to. Um, and I think that's fair. Um, at the same time, before yesterday, I would have said that finding a one-of-one one from 2003 Exquisite would be one of the best things out there to find because I'd never seen a duplicate of that. So I'm wrong about that. It makes you question other one-of-ones. Like, is this a card that only one exists or are there more out there? Um, if I was to find an, that there was another one out there, how would it change how I think about it? But if you can think that way about one-of-ones, some people would say, okay, well, then I need to avoid one-of-ones. That is definitely not what I'm saying. Because isn't that exact same thing true for a card number to 100? Isn't that exact same thing true where somebody could take an uncut sheet of a card and you've got number 87 of 100 and then somebody else reproduces or takes that and they that uncut sheet and they go and then they stamp it number 87? Or, you know, cards like the Essential Credentials from, from 1997 we look at and we go, okay, we know, we know that there's several sheets out there. It's like the nicest looking set ever, but these sheets, are we certain that none of them have been graded by PSA and by the other big grading companies? It's really hard to know. So it becomes about, you know, the, the collecting of the card for me becomes more about, we use this word provenance. Where did the card come from? A lot of the cards that I have in my collection, I've been, I've never had any interest in moving, not just because I like the card, but because I love the provenance, provenance that I have on my card. Um, and going back to the condition thing, even my best like game used autograph type cards, like I, I love it when a card's not mint. I don't like spending tons of money on something just based on condition. Um, I think that, you know, history would show that if the, if a card is, if a card is more damaged, it's more likely that that's a card that, that came out of the pack and that was like in a that was in a condition or in a collection for a long time. It's not a 100% guarantee for sure, but I'm not buying something that has been upgraded because it's been, you know, because it's been altered. And, and that, again, that to me is really important. So what, what is safe? I don't think there's anything that's totally safe. Um, I don't, I, I'm like, like, racking my brain for things that I'm like, okay, I know that this is totally safe. It's not, I mean, pick a card, like 1986 Michael Jordan, you've got to worry about trimming for sure on that card. Um, that's a card, that obviously there's tons of fakes too, but if, you buy, if you're buying graded, as long as the slab isn't, you know, altered, you know, you're getting a card that's, that's real. Um, again, you've got to make sure that the slab, slab isn't altered, but do we know that the card's not trimmed? Well, what about an autograph patch type card? An autograph patch type card has two potential issues. We've seen this with all of the big RPAs. We have patch switching, which is the practice by which people are taking the card, removing the patch out of the card and putting a more colorful, nicer patch in. And we've seen a lot of autographs that have been quote unquote adjusted. Um, people using their own pens and um, things to clean up the autograph. So we've seen altered, car altered autographs, altered patches, um, on, on RPA type of stuff. Well, what about like Chrome or, or Prism type cards? There's certainly cleaning that happens on those. People who are using different products to make the surface, you know, lose scratches um, and take out scratches, uh, take out, you know, other other issues. 
I think that trimming's probably still an issue on, on chromium type cards. What about like refractor, you know, super rare type cards? I think that's all that same stuff is true for those things. Um, because if you can, you know, if you can adjust the card in a way where it's, where it's being sort of like where it makes it more mint, then that's, that's where so much of the value is driven in today's hobby. And again, it's another reason why I just don't, I don't, I don't collect based on rare or excuse me, based on condition. Um, I, I think that although that historically has proven to be a good decision, it's not, it's not super interesting to me. I think the best things that you can collect are cards where you know the provenance, you know the history. Knowing the history on some things is a lot easier than others, though. Um, on modern cards, sometimes it's really easy. But the older the card gets, the harder some of those things get. So, um, you know, what about cards that come out of the pack already encased in, 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 in holders and have stickers from Panini? We've seen some of those things get altered as well. We have. So even those aren't, aren't perfect. Nothing out there provides you 100% comfort that it is exactly what you think it is. And as soon as you realize that, I think the tendency for especially newer collectors is to say, oh, well, then I, I might be in the wrong place. Because if I can't be sure of what I'm buying, then, then what am I doing? But my strategy and my advice is to take your time Make sure you understand everything and don't follow my example about going and just putting a huge bid on that Kobe Bryant card yesterday. Like, stand back and say, what do you know about this? I mean, I looked at the card and I said, I thought, I thought Spino opened or Spino owned that. That's weird. And I placed the bid anyways. Like, do your research before you bid, Adam. You dummy, you got 10 days. Now, fortunately, I was outbid right away and it probably was gonna suffer way more. I have no idea. What I know is it's a great lesson to us on. Um, it's a great lesson to us on making sure we know the history of what we're buying on provenance. And again, I, I just, I can't emphasize this, emphasize this enough. I think that far more important than a, than a card grade, even though the community is still figuring this out, far more important than the card grade, far more important than the serial number, far more important than any of it is understanding the provenance. If something does not have the right provenance, or if something came from a place where it isn't what you think it, what what you thought it was when you're when you're buying it, or what the community thought it was, then um, then that'll get you every time. So be super careful. Um, try to do your research, and also you know use things like this also why I like old slabs. Right, I love old Beckett slabs. Something that was graded 20 years ago. There's nothing better than that in the hobby because you just know that it's been sitting there in that case for 20 years. Um, and, uh, and, you know, some people might say, well, that, you know, cards were trimmed back then. That's true. But I, I think, you know, what we, my experience is that we really saw a lot of the stuff being altered around like 2007, 2008 is when things started to happen. So if you can get something that's really old, you're more safe. Um, but also look for old pictures, ask other people, do, do all the research that you can. And then, and then, you know, figure out what you want and what you like. And although a lot of people, I think, let fear sort of be their guide and all these things, I don't think it's about fear. I think it's about just knowing what you're buying. Um, another example of this is, and I've talked about this one a lot, but the 2000, um, 
upper deck autograph patch that I have of Kobe Bryant. It's numbered out of eight. Mine is a white patch, and it has been in this case for 20-something years, this BGS case for like 20-something years. The ones that I've seen besides mine all have like these crazy patches. To me, like I see that, and I see people paying these exorbitant prices for something like that, and I think that to me makes me nervous because I don't know that the patch is real, and I don't know that there's a way that you can know for or against and so why are you buying it are you are you really paying a multiple there's only eight of the cards are you gonna pay five times as much or three times as much because a card has a crazy patch that you're not even sure about wouldn't you rather have something where it's like the safe thing to me that's how i think about it and um i know i went around in circles there for a while but i hope that makes sense i hope that's interesting you guys thank you guys again for joining today tried to keep it uh, short and again i failed um be sure to check us out um, next week we're going to try with a christmas break um, but if not it'll be the week it'll be the week after that and until then happy collecting Thanks for listening to the Basketball Card Podcast. Reminder to subscribe to Basketball Card Fanatic Magazine at bcfmag.com. Remember to use discount code BASKETBALL10 for 10% off any item in the store. That's bcfmag.com.